Thank you, Pastor Arnold. Uh, well, good afternoon. It's such a privilege to be with you this uh, afternoon to share God's Word with you. Um, when Pastor Arnold sent me a note uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to the possibility of me coming in to, to take the pulpit, uh, I was actually nursing a, a cough. And if you, if you are, um, I kind of sound a bit nasal, and I've been nursing this uh, lingering cough for the last couple of weeks. So somewhere must be when I was taking my medication, I was feeling drowsy, I saw that email and I typed OK, and uh, that's why I'm here this afternoon. Uh, but it's such a joy to be uh, with Pastor Arnold and, and Grace Baptist Ch uh, Church again. Uh, uh, we first met in 1995, Pastor Arnold, uh, when I was a student at Dallas Seminary. And, uh, you know, when you're a young student at a seminary, and Dallas has got many churches over there. And, you know, the first couple of weeks when I was a brand new student, we would go and visit all the different churches around the, the seminary. And we visited, uh, at that time, Pastor Arnold was uh, pastoring Asian American Baptist Church, and there was another, for several other Chinese churches around that area. So as we visited, uh, one of the things that really impressed us was the, uh, we visited ABC and I think the very next day, uh, Pastor Arnold would call us, really, uh, to come. And he came all the way, uh, Richardson, who came all the way down, I think he was living in Plano, came all the way to, to where the seminary was, and just met me and my wife just for lunch that very next day. And that really made an impression uh, on my wife and I. Uh, as foreign students, uh, here you have someone who really took a deep care and concern uh, over our lives. But really, another decision that that made us decide to stay and worship at AABC, and I don't think I've ever told Pastor Arnold this before, was that I found out that he has got seven daughters, and we all know that, right? Now, I think that someone who can manage eight women in a household must be a good pastor, okay? So, so kind of tip the scale on why we decided to land up at uh, AABC. Uh, it's really exciting to hear that uh, the latest grandchild, daughter, was born by, was given birth by Kara. And when we were there, she was just a little girl. You know, so it's just so uh, delighted to hear how the Lord has uh, prospered the Wong family over the last uh, 20 years. And uh, can I also bring you greetings, really, uh, to all of you from Crew Singapore. Thank you so much for your support, uh, for your church members who are serving with Crew, who had served with Crew, and presently we have I think Jonathan and Ng Ming and Silver Chong as well. So we are so delighted, uh, your partnership, and thank you for being such a blessing to, to them as you support them in prayer uh, and also financially uh, in the ministry. And this, uh, personally, really, it's been uh, a wonderful season to co-labor with Grace Baptist, uh, even years back, uh, before Pastor Arnold came uh, into the pastorate role, and to be able to continue that partnership uh, over the different years. Well, we live in very challenging times, isn't it? Uh, just turn, look at the papers and the news today, you see the threat of terrorism. And the thing about it is the senseless killings that is taking place uh, that make the headlines today. And governments today seemingly don't have any solution to it. They are trying to, they are trying to preempt, they are putting in measures to deal with the threats, but really... Who knows what will happen uh, these days? The uncertainties of the economy and the job insecurities uh, is causing a lot of us, even in Singapore, to be nervous, to be stressed up. 
I was talking to a, a business person and he's telling me that, hey, it's really bad out there. You know, it's bad. Sometimes you, don't, you read the papers, uh, you don't see it as bad as it is, but if you talk to the people out in the marketplace, the business people, they'll tell you that, hey, it's, it's bad. Hiring has stopped, there's no more contracts, there's no more business, our budgets are cut, and people's rice bowl are really on the chopping board. And nations around the world, too, are facing tremendous uncertainties. Uh, as they grapple with the social and political changes. Uh, think of what happened to Europe in just less than a year. Uh, all that is happening, culminating with uh, the exit of Britain, and the impact of it uh, socially and politically and, and, and just economically around the world. You know, back home just this week, I think we read of, uh, in the papers that this year, or last year, had the highest teenage suicide teenage, the highest, I think more than double compared to the previous year. And when you read the papers, it's really a gloomy picture, really. You know? uh, there's almost no more good news. Uh, if it's not senseless killings, it's the bad news about the economy, about people doing crazy things, and what happened at NUS case. As the world turns darker and darker, I think we need the light of Jesus Christ to shine in those nations. More importantly, the hearts of men. The gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe, offers the only hope and good news for humankind. And missions is really about making Christ known. And missions is predicated on that great commission passage that we just read, to make disciples of all nations. And the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ has not changed over the last 2,000 years. If anything, the urgency is there to bring the gospel to the nations. As we see what's happening around us, all the more people need the Lord. All the more people need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are familiar with John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. And he said that missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. Missions is not the end goal, but we encourage people to be involved in missions, to be involved in the Great Commission. But that's not the end goal, according to John Piper. The end goal, the greatest desire of God on his heart is that people would worship him, that all the creation, all the earth, all the peoples of the nations would worship him one day. And because God's creation, we are not there yet. You know, the God's creation has not acknowledged him yet. In fact, there are many places in, uh, around the world, even surrounding where we are today, our neighbours, uh, where Christ is not honoured. Uh, there's a pushback against Christianity, a pushback against the good news of Jesus Christ. So we have a lot to do, in that sense, to bring the message of good news of salvation to those who desperately need to hear. I think even more so, as the urgency of the hour, as the, the circumstances around us cause us to wonder, is there really any hope for us? The central theme of the Bible is God's redemptive plan. You know, if you read from cover to cover, it is an epic narrative of the extent a loving God goes to bring fallen men 
to himself. Really, Scripture tells us that, you know, after Genesis chapter 4, all the way to Revelation, uh, it's God's plan, God's desire. And over and over again, through different means, the prophets, through miracles, he's trying to redeem his creation back to himself. In a sense, to understand missions, uh, we need to therefore understand God's heart for the nation, His redemptive purpose, His redemptive plan for the nations. This afternoon, I'd just like to share with you from Psalm 67. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 67. Let me read uh, from my text, which is from the NIV, and you can follow along, uh, Psalm 67. Uh, there are seven verses. I'm going to share a couple of thoughts and observations from this uh, passage that I think will uh, give us a, a, a framework for why we are involved in the Great Commission, why are we involved in missions, and more importantly, what you and I can do uh, to make missions a lifestyle uh, every day. Verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear Him. Let's pause to pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the great commission that You have given to us. When Jesus left, Resurrect, died, resurrected, and when went to be with the Father, He left with us a plan, a great commission. Lord, I pray that as a church, as believers, uh, we will not just understand, but that we will be totally involved in the great commission, wherever you call us. So I pray for this time that as we look into your word this afternoon, may you uh, direct our thoughts reflection, uh, and help us to gaze our eyes on you this, this afternoon when as we uh, spend this time looking to your word. Teach us and minister to us through this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let me make a couple of comments. Uh, keep your Bibles open to Psalm 67. I just want to make a couple of comments on this psalm and maybe throw a couple of observations. Firstly, I think this psalm is very much a prayer. May God, may the people of God, starts with me. It's a plea, a plea to God by the psalmist. So it's a prayer. Secondly, our second general comment is that this is, the psalmist has a global perspective, a very global perspective from this psalm. Uh, look at words like all the peoples, all the nations, all, the ends of the earth. So, Imagine him having that. It's almost like today we have the, global, the globe before us or the world map before us. 
But in those days, the psalmist only had his world, but I think he has a global and even a prophetic vision of that the gospel must go to every part, every corner of the earth. Not just in Palestine area, but to the ends of the world. Hence, in some way, I think this is like a missionary psalm, a psalm for missions. And woven throughout this psalm is God's redemptive purpose. Let the peoples praise you. The ends of the earth may fear you. Your salvation among all nations. You see, in the New Testament, we have the Great Commission. Very clear, make disciples of all nations. But in the Old Testament, you find that, and especially in, in the Psalms, uh, whenever, you, you know, God's glory is to the nations. That's the psalmist way of really the, the Old Testament perspective of the Great Commission. Because the glory of God is not yet on all over the world, all the nations. So in the Old Testament concept, when it, that was before the cross, where we had the Great Commission given by Jesus, it's really about the world, the ends of the world, that salvation among the people, that people may fear Him, people may worship Yahweh. That's really the heart and the vision of the Old Testament psalmist. And one could also say that this psalm goes back all the way to Genesis 12, where God gave Abraham the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, remember? That God called Abraham and said that I will bless you so that you can be a, a blessing to the nations. And eventually Israel, uh, uh, Abraham, you know, if you read Genesis, became a family, came together, became a nation, Israel, and Israel became the light to the Gentile nations. So in a sense, that psalm has that connection back to uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis 12, where God gave the Abrahamic covenant. But let me unpack this psalm a little bit. Uh, uh, and you are, I think you have the outline in the bulletin. You can just follow along. I just want to bring some observation and more importantly, uh, how we can be involved in the Great Commission of Missions every day. All right? Who is this God? Well, firstly, this is God of the missions. The God of the missions that has a heart for the nations. First point. And who is this God? Well, the, the text tells us that what? He is a God of grace, isn't it? May God be gracious. We just sang that in one of the worship songs. May God be gracious to us. Uh, it's a, it, you know, in other words, you and I can come to God not because of who we are and what we have done. It's totally, when God shows His grace towards us, it's totally undeserved, unmerited favour. And I believe that God wants to deal with us graciously. That's why He's a God of grace. It's the grace of God that saves us from condemnation, the Bible tells us. Romans 5 says, 5, 9, Paul wrote, We have been saved from God's wrath through Christ. We have, you and I have been saved from the wrath of God because of what Christ has done on the cross. That's the grace of God, that He does not deal with us the way we deserve, you and I deserve, but that He deals with us gently and through Christ. Secondly, in verse 4, he is a God who rules justly. He's going to come back and establish his rightful reign and his kingdom. Scripture tells us that Christ will return and establish his rule and reign as a supreme sovereign that will rule the nation. And as a creator, he will rule forever. But he's, he's not just going to rule, but he's going to rule justly. He's going to be fair, all right? He's going to be fair in the way 
He deals with us, with, the, with His creation. Verse 7 tells us that He is also a God who blesses. A God who blesses. Uh, this is the Hebrew word, Barak, which is the same used in Genesis 12. And that's the connection to uh, Genesis chapter 12. God's blessings rest on those who are faithful to Him. And sometimes, even when we are unfaithful to God, God's blessings still come upon us. Isn't that true? Because that's the nature of God. He's gracious. He will deal with us in a very just way, but in a gracious manner. And He will also bless us. And God's blessings brings about, in the text tells us, life, prosperity, and salvation. Think about it. Sometimes the blessings of God may not be physical. It can be, but sometimes the blessings of God is salvation, having that personal relationship with Jesus. The eternal life. Health. Sometimes God blesses us with material blessings. In the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And I think we need to realize that this is a God who blesses us, who is gracious with us, He will deal with us justly, fairly, but He will also bless us. The other things about, uh, several observations about this uh, psalm is that God desires to be known. Verse 2 tells us that your ways may be known on earth. You know, God is a personal God. He wants people to have a personal relationship with His creation. He desires to be known. And He does that through the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 3 tells us that God desires to be praised. Desires to be praised. For who He is and what He has done. For His very character. We praise God for who God is. His very character attributes. For being gracious, for being holy, for being just, for being loving. And for His righteousness and His justice. You see, not all that is around us, people don't praise God. In fact, there are people that are totally disobedient to God. There are people who are shaking their fists at God, a defiant towards God. God desires that His creation would come into, would praise Him and worship Him. Verse 4, God desires to be enjoyed. God desires to be enjoyed by His creation. Be glad and sing for joy. You know, be glad and sing for joy. There is a gladness of heart in knowing God. There is a gladness of heart in knowing God. God wants us to enjoy Him, to find delight in Him. The Christian life is really about enjoying God, all that God has done for us. And when we find delight in Him, we keep our eyes focused on Him, not on the surroundings, not on our jobs, not on our family. Yes, those are important, but we need to find our true delight and enjoyment in Christ. The Westminster Shorter Catechism said, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Verse 7, lastly, in, in who this God is, he, desire, he desires to be feared. Feared. Uh, I think this is not the fear that, that, that drives us away from Him, but it's a kind of a reverential fear that leads us to want to worship Him. 
to stand in awe of Him. It's the deep and holy respect that we have for a holy God and because of what He has done for us. So we find that God desires to be known, to be praised, to be enjoyed, and lastly, to be feared out of this psalm. And this is really who God is. He's gracious, deals with us uh, justly, bless us, and yet there's the desire of God wanting us, His creation, you and I, to know Him, to worship Him, to fear Him, to enjoy Him. I think that missions is really the outflow of the delight, our delight in God. It is John Piper who said this, missions is the outflow of our delight in God. And in our knowledge of who God is, to know His character, He loves His creation, He loves the people that He has created, and that He desires that each one of us, not just in Singapore, but around the nations, will come to know Him. So missions is really about making God known to the nations. Making God known to the nations. God loves the nations. He's gracious and just. He wants everyone to come and worship Him. That is why the whole missionary enterprise is to make Christ known. It's to make Christ known uh, to the nations. Point B, the outline. Grateful hearts. Because of all that who of, we know of who God is in those verses, I think we can have grateful hearts. A heart to know that this is what God has done for us. In verse 6, the reference to God blessing the produce of the land. Isn't it interesting? The land yielding a great harvest. You know, when we enjoy God, there is a sense of blessings that God will bless His people and the nations. Verse 1 and 7, it starts off with verse 1 and 7 where it tells us that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to the nation. I think that the other key element to key uh, point to missions is that we have been blessed to be a blessing. God bless us today in the church so that as a church, you and I can be a blessing to those outside of the church. What are some ways that the Lord has, the Lord has blessed us? Uh, well, firstly, I think spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. Salvation, a personal relationship with Him, which many of us here in this uh, church enjoy. You know, the church in Singapore has been blessed with tremendous growth in the last 30, 40 years. And we should be thankful for God's blessings upon the churches in Singapore. Secondly, material blessings. Material blessings. You know, as a nation... And in particular, particularly in Singapore, uh, the churches have been really blessed, materially, materially. Uh, the church, I think, in Singapore is pretty much a upper class or middle upper class uh, group of people. And many of us hold professional jobs, uh, careers, skilled vocations. And again, this is really the God's blessings upon the church and upon our nation. Uh, as you look back, all these 50 years of nation building. And of course, national blessings as well. God has blessed this little red tiny dot beyond measure, really. 
beyond measure, whether it's politically, whether it's economically, whether in terms of global influence. I think God has blessed this nation tremendously. Uh, we all read with interest that uh, President Obama held a, going to hold a state banquet for our Prime Minister. Uh, and it's the, 12th, it's the 12th that he's hosting in all his eight years. But in the diplomatic protocol, that's a state dinner. It's really of the highest to, to accord a visiting head of state or government, head of government, the highest honour. And to have our Prime Minister of a small little island of 5 million people to be in that, in that category, I think it's really the, the blessings and the favour of God. Now, of course, that's in the political realm of politics, of uh, geopolitical interest. But I think, if, you know, you and I would agree that as we celebrated our 50th year of uh, Jubilee last year, as we recount many instances, how God has blessed this little tiny dot as an island. Some would doom that it will fail, wish that it will fail, but God in His miraculous way, through the church and through the many hardworking of our pioneers that have made this island a shining bright light. Not just in this location, in this Southeast Asia, but globally as well. God blesses His people with material wealth, you and I with wealth, for the sake of the nations. For the sake of the nations. Uh, he blesses the church with riches for the sake of reach, reaching the nations. Really. Um, I don't think there's any poor church in Singapore. I've been to, you know, visited several churches and preached in different churches. I don't think there is such a thing as a poor church in Singapore. But I remember that when I, when I first went on my mission trip some years ago uh, to the Philippines, uh, that time I was still a very young man, went on my first mission trip to the Philippines. You know, when you go there, uh, we were worshipping in, uh, in the rural area, and it was just the four pillars and a little shelter and the ground was still gravel and sand and we have benches that was put together by joining pieces of wood together. That's the church in some of these places. They don't have nice building, air-conditioned air seats and, and, and well-aligned pews. But that's, for them, that's the church, just the four walls. In fact, there's not even a wall it's just four, four pillars. They were still in the, trying to raise the money to, to complete building the church with just a little zinc roof over it. That's the church. And people were worshipping from the villages as they come. And I remember distinctively that when it comes to the offering, because these are mainly farmers, they will bring their produce to the altar. Bananas, sack of rice, vegetables, Grains to the altar. And that's the offering. You know? But coming back here, I see that uh, God has blessed uh, us as a church community, as the body of Christ in Singapore. Not just spiritually in terms of growth, but also materially. Uh, these days when you know, church building fund is in tens and tens of millions of dollars, well, partly because uh, land is scarce in Singapore. But the Lord has provided time and time again for the churches to build, to 
the house of God so that many can be brought into the house of God to worship Him. He gives us the bountiful wheat harvest in Psalms 67 for the sake of the bountiful spiritual harvest. The wheat harvest, the blessings that you and I enjoy, is for the sake of a bountiful spiritual harvest. Give us more money than we need so that we can meet the world's greatest need, the need to know God through Jesus Christ. Know God through Jesus Christ. So we have been blessed to be a blessing. And I hope that we'll always be, we'll always be grateful Christians and not grateful Christians. To know that, you know, no matter what you are going through, we still can be thankful to God for His blessing. And that God has blessed me in some way. Maybe not materially. Maybe I don't have a lot of money to give. But maybe God gave me health, good health. God gave me a skill, a job, so that I can use that. And as I be diligent in using those skills in my profession, I can use that to bless others. And our involvement in God's mission must be out of a grateful heart, not out of compulsion. You know, involvement in missions must come out of a very grateful heart, a heart of gratitude because of who God is, because of what God has done life. So I hope the first part is just to set up, kind of to, to kind of put in perspective who this God is and what God has done for us. And as we move to the third point, it's really... How do we get the message, the message of the good news out? And to me, it's really, how can you and I lift out mission, make missions, the Great Commission or missions as a lifestyle every day, you know, in our workplace or as a student? You see, missions participation is not just limited to the full-time people, that's all. To the pastors, the people like myself, who's the full-time vocational a Christian worker or missionaries. Uh, there's a place for those whom God has called into the ministry full-time to give up their career, their, their educational training, uh, to serve the Lord, to pastor a church or go be a missionary uh, in an overseas setting. So, so there are people whom God has called specifically for their purpose, uh, to be shepherds and teachers uh, for the church. But in a general sense, the Great Commission was given to everyone, to the church, so every one of us can be involved in the Great Commission. Every one of us can be involved in missions. Uh, John 21, uh, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You know, Jesus was saying, As the Father has sent Jesus to the earth for the mission, in John 17, in 21, he says, So send I you. You and I and the Church of Jesus Christ must be involved in the Great Commission Locally and overseas will be in missions. Regardless of whether you're a student or a homemaker or a professional, you're a doctor or engineer or a teacher, every one of us can be engaged in missions wherever God placed us. You and I can be engaged in God's redemptive plan. Now think about it, it's such a privilege that God has given you and I to be a part of that God's plan to bring the creation back to himself. Your stage of life, your profession, can be a powerful platform to be involved in missions. You can be involved in missions. Let me share with you some practical 
steps or practical things that uh, you might want to consider as you make missions a lifestyle or as you engage in the Great Commission? You know, firstly, probably some of us have done this and that is go on a mission trip. How many of you have gone on a mission trip or a vision trip? How many of you? Raise your hands. Wave, wave at me. Come on. Oh, quite a number of you, all right? Maybe about half of you, all right? Well, you have not been on one. Let me encourage you to, be, to sign up for a mission trip, all right? It's not as scary as you think that you must be very spiritual. You must have all, those, uh, all the answers before you can go on a trip. I believe that oftentimes, firstly, God looks for availability, to be available. So let me encourage us to, to, to really, that's one good way to participate in bringing the gospel by going on a mission trip. It can be a, a nearby country to Batam or Bintan or Malaysia or Thailand. But the whole idea is really how can you and I be the ambassadors to bring the, the message of Jesus Christ to those needy places. If you are married I want, and your family, I want to encourage you to bring your family, your kids as young as they are on a mission trip. Um, one of the things my wife and I like to do is to bring our kids on mission trip. A couple of years ago, I think when I have, I have a 15-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter, so maybe about four years ago, uh, we decided to go to China for mission trip. And uh, we were there for two weeks. Uh, we joined a, a student project group that was involved with crew and we decided to tag along uh, with a mission trip. But my wife and I wanted to bring our kids because we wanted our kids to, to kind of go out there and see for themselves uh, the needs of the world, the needs in China. Uh, it was a very good trip. I mean, they get to see many things. Uh, but I think there was one comment that I, my son made that really stood out. Uh, on one Sunday, we went to worship in a house church. The house church was on top of a shop house and... Uh, Below was an optical shop. We have to make our way quietly to go through the optical shop. At the back, at the end of the, uh, at the back of the shop, we went up the steps, the staircase, and go up to the, the second level where the church was gathering. And we were worshiping. And at the end of the service, my son remarked that, "Wow, the people here worship with passion and guts, though." You know, there were about seventy people in that room, but you could hear the passion that they were worshiping the Lord. And then my son turned to us and said, how come our church worship is not like that? That made an impression in him for an 11-year-old. As he went out there, he saw, he didn't understand because they were worshipping in Chinese, so he didn't really fully understand what they were singing. But I think he could sense that passion and the heart, the hunger for God. Another time, we, uh, we, had, we, we uh, followed the church and they... Uh, they had a, a baptism and we had to go out of the city, uh, walk through some uh, kind of, I wouldn't say jungle, but some, some uh, plantation to get to a river. All right? You have to navigate through a plantation to get to a, to a river and there were going to be a baptism service. And on one side of the, the river, there was a blue tent for the men to change and on the other side was a red tent for the women to change. And the baptism was happening in that river. Uh, a local pastor came and, and baptized uh, candidates. 
after they, they, they were baptized in the river, they go to the tent, change into their dry clothes. Again, very different uh, perspective that uh, we all got to experience. I've never seen that before. I've heard stories, I've read books on it, but I've never seen it until that I was there. And why they had to be so secretive to go to the river, you know, out of the city to a river to get baptized. And here in Singapore, we, you know, baptism is sometimes in front, there's a pool here. I know some churches go to the East Coast to do it, but it's different, right? But until we saw that, that these people, uh, candidates, were serious about their faith. And they knew what they were getting themselves into. Because that to cost them their very lives. So again, it was an eye-opener uh, for my kids and even for us adults as well to know that, hey, it's good to expose them to mission. I want to encourage you, families, parents, and they are never too young to go, really. Never too young. Uh, they catch things, they see things, uh, and it's time, it's good to process with them and to see how, uh, so that when they come back, they don't take the blessings, they don't take all this that we have for granted. Another uh, two years ago, about two and a half years ago, we brought my family to India. Uh, and we had a wonderful time and we went to the villages. Uh, by then, my kids were 13 and, and 16, so they were able to do some, conduct some kids program. Uh, we went to a primary school, a village primary school, uh, and, and the trip was set up for us to go. And, we were, you know, and together with four other families, uh, we had toddlers who went, uh, we have different ages, uh, but it was a ball of time. I remember the teenagers, uh, the four teenagers in the group would teach the, the, uh, these primary school kids uh, dental hygiene, you know, because you'll be surprised that for them, they don't have access to a toothbrush, much less toothpaste. So, a friend, we borrowed a dentist, dentist friend, we borrowed the big size, you know, the, the, the teeth, and they were, my kids were teaching them how, how to brush their teeth. Small ways, small things, but I think these are the experiences that uh, I think our kids need to experience, especially if they are second generation or third generation kids. Because we take a toothbrush, toothpaste for granted here. It's like, you know, yeah, uh, mom and dad will always get me a toothbrush. But we found out that some of the kids don't brush their teeth in that particular village. So we decided to get them a toothbrush set with toothpaste and teach them oral, oral hygiene, hygiene. So these are the stories that, and experiences that I can never teach them back in Singapore. And they have to be there themselves. They need to be there to be exposed to the spiritual needs the mission field. Secondly, well, that's mission trip, and I want to encourage as many of you in whatever season of life. It's not just for the young college students, for the teenagers, uh, adults. Take a couple of days, form teams to go. Uh, it can be nearby or it can be somewhere that the Lord has laid on your heart. Second, area that you can be involved in missions here is uh, what I call missions in our backyard. Missions in our backyard. One out of four residents in Singapore, in other words, people living in Singapore, Singaporeans and, and uh, 
those on different passes is a foreigner. We have about 1.5 million foreigners living in Singapore. So that makes up to one to four Singaporeans you see on the street is a foreigner. I think that is tremendous. The Lord has brought these people to our shores. And I think we can trust God to see how can we reach these foreigners in our midst. How can we reach these foreigners in our midst? Uh, my wife used to be involved in what we call the Befrienders program, my daughter's school, uh, because the schools have those international scholars, overseas scholars, they come, and the school will make arrangements with the parent support group to pair them up with you know, every family to kind of take care of a couple of these students. I think it's a wonderful program to be engaged in, because this, some of them, they come as young as 14, 15 years old, uh, they are uh, selected from, yeah, you know, uh, by the schools. All of them come to Singapore to, to study in our, some of our secondary schools and uh, institutes of higher learning. And I think there is a tremendous opportunity to befriend them, to minister to them, uh, to, to be a friend to them. Um, and I, I, you know, having lived in Dallas for two years, when I was there, when I was, I don't know anybody, but... To the, the, the Christian community and the seminary, they, they really pair us up, got us connected. And I think that really made our stay there a wonderful experience. We make some lifelong friends out of our two years there. So, there are some schools that, have, that you can participate in. And if, uh, as a church, you want to be part of this Befrienders program for those uh, Overseas students who come into NUS, NTU, I can connect you with the person who is organizing these programs. Uh, at the start, you cannot share Christ with them, but that's okay. You just want to be a friend to them. You know? So with like, Chinese New Year or, or public holidays, we invite them for a meal. Sometimes we try to meet their physical needs. You know, invite them to your home. We've invited them to our home. Give them a home-cooked meal. Uh, just be a blessing to them. Pray for them and say, can I pray for you when you're having your exams because they are usually very stressed up. So, so these are little things that we can do to reach out to people who God has brought into our shores and you don't even have to get, go overseas, so to speak. There's another group of people that I think that is in our midst that we see almost every day that I think we need to, be, to, to show more compassion and love and that's really the migrant workers. They are the less skilled workers that builds our homes, our roads, our offices, really. And we need to minister to them. You know? uh, this could also include those who, who served us, our domestic helpers. You know? And you think about it, some of these people gave some of the best years of their lives you know, to build our nation, to build our homes, to bless our families. I think the least we could do is that if God has brought them into our midst, can we do something? Can we encourage them? Can we befriend them? So that when they leave Singapore, they will leave with a positive view. And maybe, just maybe, as we continue to reach out to them, that we can, they will get to know or hear the gospel. I think we need that because there are 1.5 million foreigners in our midst. Uh, my church each year would hold I'm not sure whether you heard of this thing called the Banquet of Honor. Have you heard of Banquet of Honor? Really, it is a really reverse in the sense that uh, we would invite the, the migrant workers 
the domestic helpers. We'll make arrangements with where they live and then we bus them, you know, to come. It was held in my church and we would have a banquet for them, like an eight-course dinner, as you would. Uh, yeah. And this time, instead of them serving us, uh, we have volunteers who would, who would dress up like Pastor Arnold, white and black like a waiter, okay? And we would serve them, all right? We would serve them. Uh, this is just a symbolic gesture to appreciate them, to say that, hey, thank you. Because very few people say thank you to, this, to our migrant workers, right? And then you hear stories. Sometimes, they, you know, the company goes bankrupt, they don't get their salary, or they get into trouble with their employer, or they, be, they get cheated and so on. But no one appreciated them. So it was a good learning lesson uh, for some of us in the CG to avail ourselves and say, can we for once do a reversal and do something that will bless, maybe we can't bless 1.5 million, but maybe we can bless 100, 200 of this and say thank you. You know? And of course, they have different things that's going on stage, a little program, but really essentially to tell them that we appreciate you, thank you for working in Singapore to build our homes, care for our children, cook our meals. I think it will go a long way to communicate the compassion of God, the love of God, the grace of God to those in our midst. And you don't have to travel even out of Singapore. It's just really getting the logistics, fighting, friends. I think it's a gesture, the heart, to say, let's bless those sometimes we don't really come in contact with. So it takes a lot of intentional effort to do it. Another area that you and I can be involved in missions is in the area of the social media. Social media. Uh, that's another huge topic. Crew uh, has a, strat- a team that focuses on reaching people through social media, using so- social media platforms to reach out to them. But all of us are friends, all of us have social media uh, Facebook, Instagram. I think we can connect with people, the social media, that's what it's for, connect. I think we can, you know, Singaporeans like to do this thing, I notice. If you're a Christian, you say your prayer. You, when you go out to eat, you say your prayer, right? After that, you, you take a picture of your food, and then you post it, and then you eat it, you know? It's a f- strange phenomenon, you know? Uh, it's almost like prayer, post, and then you eat, right? Because, you know, before you dive into the food, you want to take the picture first, and then you post it, and let your friends know, hey, I'm at this restaurant, or I'm eating this uh, fish mall, noodles, you know, and so on. But can I suggest that in social media, that we point people, we post to point people to Jesus. You know, whatever you post out there, you can do many things, you know, when you hear of a story, good testimony, good video, you know, why don't you post that? You know, instead of a platform to complain and, and write, post something positive. Influence the social media with good Christian values, stories, testimonies that you've just heard. I think that's another space, and that space is growing bigger and bigger because it's more and more are uh, living in the social media space. 
we can talk more. I've got lots to share with you, but I, I don't want our time just to be on social media. But you know what I mean, that all of us can influence a friend or a group of friends, really, that are connected with us in our Facebook, social media, web chat, and so on. So those are the practical things that I feel like you and I can participate in missions. Uh, another area is to give. Give financially. Give financially. Have a plan for missions on top of your regular tithes and offerings, on top of giving to your church building fund. Have a plan. Have a sum of money that you give to missions. My wife and I would keep some money, not a lot, for missions. So when we know of a need, a family, a missionary family, or a pastor who's in need, we say, you know what, I want to bless you. Bless you with that. And I think, or adopt a missionary. Adopt a missionary. Be engaged in their work and support their work. Uh, so that through your financial blessings, you can give them the resources to do the work in the mission field. Whether in Singapore or overseas. So give financially. Um, again, you know, the Christian community, the church in Singapore is, is richly blessed. And uh, I think we can do more to give to missions. You know, all of us here have some form of talent. We have time. We have certain expertise as well. Uh, some of you are professionals. Uh, maybe you are a lawyer or you are a uh, IT expert, or you have certain skill set, may I suggest that you offer and volunteer your expertise to serve, not just with the church alone needed, but I think offer your, your expertise to serve with missions agencies. Uh, I, I know many missions agencies that can do with accountants, who can give me their small mission agencies, and you know, all they need is, they, because they are so small, uh, sometimes they, they can't afford to pay a qualified accountant for a, for a full-time job. But some of us can, can offer our services and give maybe one day, you know, or a couple of hours a week, just to keep their accounts right. Some of you are in IT, you know, you can set up the system quickly, you know. So offer your expertise, uh, your God-given expertise, your, your educational training, your professional training, and use that to bless uh, missions agencies, uh, Christian NGOs who are doing good, solid work in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you, there are many out there who, who require these services. Sometimes, uh, we don't know how to connect them from the supply and demand. But there's certainly a huge demand uh, for these services. I think the last but not the least, you can pray. And pray, right? Matthew 9, 36, 38 tells us, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers and to tend to the needs of the mission field. And this is probably one thing that uh, we can do more. I think the church can do more to pray not just for our local needs, personal needs, those are important. Uh, the, there's a pastoral element to it, but I think we need to pray to lift our eyes beyond the church, 
beyond our organization and to pray for the needs on the mission field. And as you read of what's been happening around the world, all the more it should motivate us to pray because there's a sense the urgency of the hour is that we are moving into really the last days. Last days where it's senseless now. You cannot make sense what is happening really. Why would somebody do such senseless thing? But that's what the Bible tells us. The last days, you're going to hear things that blow our minds. What we know, what we've been taught, even political theories and systems are different. In making missions as a lifestyle, I think it needs at least two aspects as I close. One, we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. Secondly, we need to have a generous heart to bless. Generosity to bless, to give others. Because God has blessed me, I want to bless others. And it can begin with where you are today. Where you are today. For some of this, except for mission trip, you don't even have to move out of Singapore. It's just being aware of the needs, the opportunities that you can be a part of, involved in. As I close, I'd like to share a little video with you. Uh, this video was screened in 2013, the Super Bowl. Every year, uh, the Super Bowl is a big thing in the U.S., and uh, the commercials in the, in the Super Bowl cost millions of dollars just for that 30-second spot or the two-minute spot. And I want to share this video in closing with you because it really calls us to be a part of being involved in missions, God's mission, and how you and I can, can join hand with God uh, to accomplish His plan. <clears throat>
God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. I need somebody with arms strong enough to wrestle a calf and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to call hogs, tame cantankerous machinery, come home hungry, have to wait lunch until his wife's done feeding visiting ladies, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God made a farmer. God said I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire feed, sacks, and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God had to have somebody willing to ride the ruts at double speed to get the hay in ahead of the rain clouds and get stop in midfield and race to help when he sees the first smoke from a neighbor's place. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk, and replenish the self-feeder, and finish a hard week's work with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing, who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says, that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. There's a farmer in all of us. The sense that God calls us to till this land. For some, you'll have the privilege of reaping the harvest. God looks down on us. God needs somebody to be willing till the land, plant the seed, to do all that is necessary to bring in the spiritual harvest. God is looking for that someone to do what the dad does, just like that little teenager who saw the dad, who works day in day out at the farm. He says, I want to be that farmer too. So God made a farmer in us. We are saved for a purpose to help fulfill the mission of God. Would you be willing to be God's farmer? That sense? Be sent forth to till the land and bring in a spiritual harvest. Wherever He calls you, wherever He places you, to be willing. Let's pause to pray as we close in time together. You know, you come to the end of this missions month or the Great Commission month, you've heard many things, I assume. What is that one thing that God is calling you to do? What is that one thing that God is calling you to action? Maybe to, to reconnect with a friend whom God has been tugging at your heart. Maybe just to give him a call or her a call and say, let's have coffee or let's have a meal together. 
so that you can be reconnected and reacquainted again just so that you can, can bless the person. Not so much to share Christ and let the Lord leads you to appropriately, but maybe just to re-establish and reconnect. Okay. Maybe some of us, God is calling us to go on a mission trip. You know, uh, whether it's one that's organized by the church or, or another missions agency. Maybe to offer your time, your expertise, help to bless another missions agency. I believe that as we have heard all this this past month, uh, Great Commission Month, Missions Month, there is also a time for us that God wants us to call us to act upon what we have heard. So in a few quiet moments that you have with the Lord right now, would you just tell the Lord what is it that He's moving you to do, to act upon? To do that, just quietly in a few moments together as we close this time, And that you would say a prayer to God. Say, God, this is my response to you. Or this is my response to what I heard this afternoon. To do that quietly. If God has laid something on your heart to do, as you've gone through the month of July of Great Commission Month, maybe from the first Sunday or the second Sunday or from what you heard today, would you be willing to just to say, raise your hands from where you are? Say, Lord, by raising of my hands is just a, my expression that is my commitment to follow through on that which you have laid on my heart. If you are ready, would you just raise your hand? I'm, uh, I just, this is between you and the Lord, that this is what the Lord has laid on my heart to do as a response to the call to the Great Commission or to missions. Anyone? Just raise your hand between you and the Lord so that I can just pray for you. Anyone? Thank you, I see that. Yes, brother? The back? Yes, right at the back. Thank you. Anyone else? Between you and the Lord, okay? There's something that I've heard, something that God is tugging at my heart. I want to trust God to the call to action call to apply all that we have learned third month of July. Anyone else before I close us in prayer? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you again for the tremendous privilege you've given to us to be involved in the Great Commission. Thank you for considering us worthy to be part of your enterprise your plan to bring salvation to others. And we live in challenging times and all the more, I think we, we need to step up 
to tell others about Jesus. Because that's the only hope, only good news we have and that we have tasted so far lives. So I pray that uh, even as your, your word has been deposited in our hearts, that you continue to move us to action. Thank you for a couple of them that has responded by faith. I pray that you give them spiritual resources, enablement to, to act as you have laid on their hearts. For those of us, Lord, I pray that you continue, that your word will continue to, to take root in our hearts, to bear fruit, to move us to action. So that together at Grace Baptist and the body of Christ in Singapore, we can make a difference out there. Thank you again for the privilege of being your children, for the freedom we have to worship you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.